This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Gen Z Money. This week, I'm going to be chatting to Glenn from My Millennial Money to talk about whether or not you should make extra contributions to your super fund. We're going to go over the pros, cons, and everything in between. So let's jump right into it. Hey, Glenn, how are you going? Hey, Zaria. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, thank you for coming back on the show. It's always always a whale of a time when you're here. I love chatting with you about money. It's just so fun. <laughs> and I love, I love talking about money. And yes. not that, you know, I'm evil or greedy, but it's just a passion to, you know, have the conversations. That's it. Exactly right. And for a lot of our listeners um, who are maybe in the early stages of their career and starting to build up their super, I think this is a really common question um, that we get. So really keen to address it with you today. So the first thing I thought I would just clarify with you is how you actually add extra contributions to super. So could you explain how that works? Yeah. So I think the important thing is once we start working, we know that our employer is adding 10% of what we earn into our super account. So the account set up, you're already an investor, uh, whether you know it or you're not. If you've got a super account, you already are investing into the share market, which is awesome. You can effectively put extra money into superannuation by two ways. You can ask your employer to salary sacrifice an amount each week. So they would maybe withhold an extra $20 and not pay you that and then put that money into your super account. Or you could just set up a BPAY transaction into your super fund of choice and add the money manually. That does come with a little bit of extra work, which we can get to at the end of the financial year. But in short, it's actually really easy to put extra money into your super fund. And if you are in doubt of how to do that, uh, please give your super fund a call uh, because they'll be able to tell you and help you uh, work out how to get extra money into super. Awesome. So some people might have heard that salary sacrificing um, saved you money on tax. If people are be paying money into their superannuation, is that also going to save them money on tax? Yeah. So ordinarily, uh, and I don't really want to get too complicated with uh, explaining super right now, but there's two ways to get money into super. You can get it through your employer or what they call a concessional contribution. And when the money goes into the super account, the government takes 15% of that as tax, contributions tax. Now, the other way to get money into your account is called a personal contribution or a non-concessional contribution. So, Mm -hmm. it's not concessionally taxed. Now, you can put money in throughout the year and your super fund will just receive that as a member contribution or a personal contribution or a non-concessional contribution. They'll work out a name, whatever fund it is. And then at the end of the year, if you wish to claim that amount on your tax, you would have to let your super fund know the amount that you'd want to claim on tax. And in the background, they would turn it into a concessional contribution. So it looks the same as the employer contribution. So the employer contribution is a concessional contribution. And when you put money in yourself, it can be turned into a concessional contribution at the end of the financial year. Perfect. So if anyone's confused about that, probably the best bet, as you said, Glenn, would be to just call the super fund. Yeah. And We've got to remember, like I'll always tell people to call your super fund or at least jump in online, have a look at the portal because you're a member of that fund and you pay membership fees. So get your money worth, call them up, ask them how you're invested, ask how 
getting extra money and works at their end. Ask them how they uh, work because it's just, it's basically a really good place to start to learn about super is calling your super fund. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the pros of adding extra money to super. So of course, we've talked a little bit about the tax deductions that you can get from doing that. So that's a great benefit. And also, again, without going too technical, the earnings on the money that you have in super are taxed at a lower rate than what you would if you had that money in your own name outside of super. Now, that can get a little bit complicated, but that is one of the benefits of super. Am I right? Yeah. So I'll try and make it really straightforward. If you're earning, like you might be straight out of uni or in your first grad job or whatever, and you might be earning, I'll make a number up, $60,000 a year. Your tax rate out of super is going to be 32.5%, right? So if you said to your employer, hey, I want to put an extra $20 a week into my super fund as a salary sacrifice, uh, what that would effectively mean is that $20 a week is getting taxed 15%, not 32.5% outside of super. So, Mm. in that situation, you pay half the tax, but the catch is you can't get that money uh, until you're age 60 and you stop working and permanently retire. Now, it's interesting to note that 15% is the tax rate inside superannuation. So, I'll make a number up. If you had $10,000 invested outside of superannuation and in one year uh, it had interest of $1,000, so did 10% return, that $1,000 outside of super would be taxed at your marginal rate, which is 32.5%. However, if that money was invested inside super, it would be taxed at 15%, which is more than half your tax rate outside of super. So, Mm. mathematically all day long, the best shot you've got at accruing money over the long term is superannuation because the tax rate is so much cheaper. And we know that compounding interest and investment returns uh, can really add up and make uh, big numbers in 20 or 30 years. But if you're paying less tax along the way, it just explodes the growth. But the catch Mm -hmm. is you can't touch it until you permanently retire at age 60 uh, under the current Mm -hmm. rules. Yeah, that's definitely one of the cons of, of putting money away into super at a young age. And it's also, I guess, less money in your pocket to work on goals that you might have outside of super. So if you wanted to buy a house or start a business or even just start an investment portfolio, would you agree, Glenn, that sometimes you might be better off keeping that money in your hands to build your wealth before retirement? Yeah, and this is the the whole trade-off that you really need to have a look at. Uh, if you've got this plan that, you know what, I want to just, you know, subscribe to the FIRE movement, for example, mm-hmm. and I want to just totally save as much money as possible. So, when I'm 50 years old, I can then start drawing off my investments. Well, it makes sense that you will need an amount invested outside of superannuation mm-hmm. uh, because you can't, even if you retired at age 50 from the workforce, you still don't meet that preservation age slash condition of release to get money out of super. So, the trick would be we need to really understand what the premise is for investing uh, in superannuation in addition to what our employer puts in there. 
Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some of the instances in which it might make sense to make extra contributions to super. So could you talk a little bit, Glenn, about how making extra contributions to super works for people who maybe work in healthcare or for the government? Yeah, so in some roles, uh, as you mentioned, you might work for a hospital that's a government hospital or you might be a public servant in Canberra. Some uh, employers and governments, state, federal, whoever you work for, they might say, look, we want you to do better as an employee benefit. Uh, if you add more money to superannuation, we might match that up to a percentage or even some of these um, organisations might just pay more than the 10% anyway. Some can pay up to 18%. So mm. I think it goes back to that based on my situation, if my employer does offer a match, uh, do I tie up some of my own money to get more free money from them or do I forego their free money because I really still want to work on, uh, like you said, my out-of-pocket kind of goals? Yeah, for sure. And for me, when I make extra contributions to super, one of the motivating factors for me to do it is that I have my life insurances set up and some of the premiums come from my super fund. And for me, I just don't want that to impact my super at all. So I'll just make um, a concessional contribution to cover the cost of those insurance premiums. So I think that's quite a common strategy as well. Yeah. And, and that could be the first line of defense in terms of what am I going to do with my super? Uh, at least if you want to add something, you might decide I'm just going to cover the insurances or I'm just going to cover mm -hmm. the fees or whatever. Like you, there's no have tos, but it's just about being informed and particularly if you are paying for some of your insurance through your super for cash flow in your own life, uh, you might decide to effectively salary sacrifice that premium, then your insurance is completely tax deductible. Uh, but yep. again, it's just, you just need to understand the options. And if you did add some money to super, the you of 30 years time will be thanking you. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's the trade-off, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And there's probably a lot of people listening who they may be not earning the big bucks yet. Sure, everyone that's listening are on their way there. But for those who are maybe on a lower income or a medium income, they might have heard of something called the government co-contribution. So could you tell us a little bit about what that involves? Yeah. So as you said, if you're a low or middle income earner, the government will match 50 cents for every dollar you put in as a personal contribution. So a non-concessional. Uh, in short, if you earn under approximately $40,000 a year and you put in $1,000 of your own money, the government will match this with $500. It's a bit of a sliding scale uh, that reduces the zero at about $55,000. But if you've got an income of under $40,000 and you put $500 of your own money into super and not get your super fund to change it to a concessional contribution, so you just leave it, uh, the government will throw in $500 at the end of the year. And you don't have to do anything for that. That just happens automatically. That when just you happens automatically when you do your tax return. But you're just going to like, basically how that came about was they actually, um, there was some low income earning tax offsets uh, outside of super and the government, when they do different budgets of the, you know, each year, they just sometimes move the money around. So they'll still give it to people if they want it, but you've got to actually put money into super rather than just do your tax return. So mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Uh, it's just, a, it's a handy one. So, but the question is, if you earn under $40,000 a year, do you have a spare $1,000? And if you do have that spare $1,000, do you want to lock it up for mm. 30 or 40 years? Um, 
if you do want to lock it up for 30 or 40 years, the government will give you $500 to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But that's the thing. There's often other things in your life that may be a bit more pressing financially. So if we talk about some of those things for when it maybe doesn't make sense to be adding extra contributions to super, Mm. what if you have, uh, say, a credit card debt or a, a car loan? Yeah, so I would probably say if you are in any type of consumer debt, the answer is maybe not putting extra money into super because Mm. we know the best investment you will make, particularly if you've got a, say you might have a personal loan and you're paying 13% interest, for every dollar you put into that loan to pay it off, it's effectively earning 13% because you don't have to pay 13% Mm. interest on that dollar. So it's always our best investment to clean up uh, consumer debt first and then secondly decide that I never want consumer debt ever again. So I personally, myself, would not be putting extra money into super if I've yeah. got some consumer debt that I'm looking to clean up outside of super. Yeah, that's it. And there can be other reasons, of course, as we said, maybe you want to save for a big international holiday once COVID's over or start your own business. It can be really handy to have that extra cash available when you need it. Absolutely. Because we know that, you know, if you're like, oh, I'm going to put, you know, $100 a week into super... That's awesome. But, you know, if you did want to have that holiday or if you did want to start that business, you can't access the money. So, it's you've just really got to look at your situation and think, this is how I think of it. This money that I'm putting into superannuation that's extra, I will not miss it in my life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it'd be the same as, you know, if you dropped... I don't know, if you lost $50, okay, and and I only say this because a couple of weeks ago, I was at a cafe and I sat down and in the lounge next to me, there was a $50 note that someone lost. And no way. I'm like, oh, free breakfast for me. Um, <laughs> so, just think to yourself, if you lost $50, is it going to impact your life hugely financially? Mm. And I think this, we need, like when we're committing this money to super, we need to know, well, if this money would impact me hugely financially, I probably can't even commit it to super at this stage, even though it's my money. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Mm. And we talked about consumer debt and how often you're better off maybe paying down that debt instead of making contributions to super. How does that work if you've got a mortgage? What are some of the things you might consider there? Yeah, so I generally like to say, you know, if you've got a mortgage, uh, particularly with a parental guarantee, it should be your goal, I'll suspect, to pay down that mortgage to release your parents as soon as practical uh, mm. because you don't want to have this thing hanging over your parents' life forever. So, if you've got a mortgage, it could be worth considering, uh, particularly if it's got a parental guarantee attached to it, uh, to maybe try and clean that up before you start investing into superannuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of normal mortgage payments, I think if you do have a mortgage and no other debt, you're almost into this realm of uh, you might need some financial advice to get an advisor to do a bit of a 10-year projection. What does it look like in terms of tax and returns mm-hmm. uh, for doing a salary sacrifice to super as opposed to paying down the mortgage? So, uh, I usually tell people if, if you've got a mortgage and you're wondering about putting money into super or not, it might be worth the money to spend on some advice just to have a look at the actual numbers 
because to make a decision, we need data in front of us and mm. paying a couple of grand for some advice to say, okay, what does the next 10 years look like if I put the extra five grand a year that I got spare on the mortgage or invested into super? How much tax will I save? Uh, what does the mortgage payments look like in each scenario? What does the super balance look like in each scenario? So particularly yeah, if you've got a mortgage, it's probably um, you know time to level up a bit and, and really dive into some advice if you do have that spare money left over. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I know for me, when I was on a lower income um, for the first few years while I was at uni, I always thought about adding extra money to super. You kind of have that like that FOMO of, oh, if I added that money to super, I'll be a lot better off in the future. But for me, the priorities were just setting myself up financially first. And one of the big things I was considering was actually having an emergency fund. Totally. And that's a really good point. Like I'm, I'm not investing, I'm not even paying down extra debt. I'm not doing anything until I have an emergency fund. Because again, if I put a couple of grand in super and then I need a new fridge or a new gearbox for the car or something, I can't go to the super fund and say, give me my thousand dollars for a gearbox or a new fridge. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's right. But you mentioned uh, the lower income part. Sometimes uh, by default, if you're earning, I think it's around $48,000 a year or less, it might not be worth it tax-wise looking at your overall situation to do a salary sacrifice to super because we know that your tax rate outside of super might be less than 15%. Mm -hmm. uh, but because we know if we put money into super, you'll get taxed 15%. So you really have to just double check that your tax rate outside of super is going to be... Uh, more than what the amount is that you'd be taxed inside of super. Yeah, if you're doing it for that tax benefit, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And are there any other reasons why it might not make sense to be adding extra money to super? I'd probably say if you're, you know, some of your listeners, Azaria, might have kids already and they are thinking about investing uh, for their kids' education. So, example, if your investment plan's aren't long-term, like they might be a 10-year investment plan or a 15 years investment plan, well, super's just off the table completely. Like it's just mm -hmm. not an option because we need the money in 10 years and we can't use super for that. So that's kind of what I'd probably say if you do have specific investment plans uh, that are less than um, the preservation age at the moment uh, of age 60, uh, it's probably not an option to be on the table anyway. Uh, sometimes in my life, if I'm tossing up between the two options, I might do half-half and then just kind of reassess on a yearly basis. Yeah, that's a good idea. But the, I guess the thing I would probably say as well, if you are saving for a home, the First Home Super Saver Scheme is a really good tool to, to save for a, a first home to live in. And I might send you the YouTube link to put in the show notes, uh, of the episode that I did on YouTube uh, for people to watch because we use yeah. diagrams and really explain that. Perfect. That'd be great. So do you like, do you have any like things off the top of your head that you might do instead of investing into super? Yeah. So I think, think for me, definitely while I was setting myself up, as I said, it was um, building an emergency fund. That was really, really important to me to know I had that security there. Um, I know a lot of people are focusing on paying down debt. So any credit cards, I don't, I don't usually apply hex to that. I'm not too fussed about my hex debt, yeah. not paying that one down, but um, for other things, definitely. And then just other financial goals. So while I was at uni, a lot of the time I was earning as much money as I 
could because I was I was spending a lot of money not on frivolous things but I was traveling or maybe career development at that stage in your life you've you've got a lot coming and going uh, and sometimes it just doesn't make sense to lock that money away for 40 years yeah and sometimes a, a good rule for life is and it's even good relationship advice if in doubt don't yep that's it but I I would say I'm just so pumped that you know we are talking about super because it is mm. our money it's that's it you know, there's this exactly. common thing that oh it, it doesn't mean anything it's not my money well no it is yours so even if we just pay attention to it and understand how it works, it, you might loosely flag in the back of your mind that, yep, in two years' time, I'd probably be in a position to add to my super. Mm-hmm. Yep. Making an educated decision not to is mm. better than just not thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, and, and the same goes either way. When I had my first job in my early, early 20s, I was just doing $20 a week additional contribution. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, because... Such a small amount wasn't really moving the needle in my life and covered a few feet. Like it was just a little, just a little thing I did. But you can't wreck it. You stay out of consumer debt, be intentional, have goals. You really can't wreck it. That's it. If you're doing that, you're winning at life. You're already miles ahead. Totally. Because you're listening to this podcast and my millennial money. (laughs) (laughs) But Gen Z money's better. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Loki. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Glenn. This has been really, really informative and I hope it's been really helpful for our listeners. Um, What have you got on for the rest of the night? Oh, not much. I've just got a, as you know, I've got a a book that's coming out in October. So I'll be Mm -hmm. working on a few tables and charts for that. But yeah, I'm just chilling. So everyone will be able to see that book when we release it and it, it will help everyone more from an education view. So keep an eye out for that, everyone. Yeah, can't wait. I've seen the little sneak preview of the chapters today and they look really, really good. So really yeah, looking forward to that. I'm pumped. Awesome. Thanks, Glenn. We'll see you in another episode. All right. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.